Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, live from the Kintec studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. The hotline is brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call, and we now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning hotline. Now joined by our next guest from Sportsnet, former NHL scout as well. He is Jason Bukala. Jason, thank you, man. How are you? How are you? Doing great. How are you guys? Exciting day out there yes. on the uh, left coast, I would think. We were very foolishly concerned about what we would talk about this week. And then Alvin gets extended yesterday. Then they make the Lindholm trade. So uh, we're having a great time. Lots to talk about. <laughs> Lots to chew on. And, you know, you had a great analysis of the trade up at sportsnet.ca that people should go check out. We'll start from the Canucks side of things with Lindholm. How do you see his fit on this team? Well, I think it's exactly what Vancouver uh, needs. You know, that second layer in the middle of the ice, uh, secondary score. I mean, he obviously slots right into being basically you know after the big line there that's been put together the lotto line after that he'll he'll quickly become um you know the the next layer of scoring which is great the good the good news here guys is that you know you get a player that plays quick and fast um he's about 56 percent in the face-off dot the coach is going to appreciate the way he plays the game if he's not scoring he's going to track properly up and down the ice he can check um, he's not overly physical. He's kind of an area guy, but he's got tons of pounds. So he's, you know, out of the gate, he'll jump to space to take away pucks and win battles that way. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he catches some lightning in a bottle here and, and gets back to closer to what he's capable of scoring wise. You know, he's, he's fallen off a bit this year, but, um, you know, last year he was, he was solid and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he returns to that sort of, uh, status, you know, it's always exciting to get to a new team and, you're going to be energized with the the fact that you know. Let's be honest. This is this is a contending outfit now, and uh, and he's going to be energized by that. So this is a this is a great eight by a great ad by the Canucks, and I really like the fact that we got a couple of million left in the bank account as well. Books, we got to get your take on the prospects. We've obviously had to delay our trade ideas um, say, uh, show, by the way, just because every trade idea we got involved the Canucks 2024 first and also Andre Kuzmenko. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it again next week. Jim Rutherford blowing up our plans. Um, you obviously have a great feel for the value of futures going the other way. What are your thoughts on the price the Canucks paid here? I thought it was more than fair, guys. Honestly, like mm-hmm. the fact that we didn't have to touch uh, Volander or uh, or Pedersen in this in this uh, equation here, that's a win in my books. I really was kind of thinking that that was going to have to occur. Um, so you know, the the Germo uh, Yanni Germo, who's playing in Cuckoo there in Liga, I really thought he was coming along a year ago, almost to the date. Um, uh, you know, he's he's a big body, obviously, who's leaning defensive D. Um, he's, he's long. His puck play and his agility and mobility hasn't gone to another level from where it ended last season. So that was a concern. So he's still a project in my books. Nice ad for Calgary, but he's still a project. Big body. I'm calling him a, a recall at this point. 
Um, and then, you know, uh, you know, Bobby Bristovich out of, uh, uh out of, uh, Kitchener. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he could end up scoring a hundred points in the Ontario hockey league, but you know, I do need to, and I, and I think it's a fantastic story. I really enjoyed watching him play this year. I think it's a good ad for Calgary. I think that it's a fair price for Vancouver. Um, the thing with this one there guys always that I'm not, um, forecasting his offense to be power play one at the NHL level. Like I still think he's a two and he's a third pairing at even strength. So he does have an element. He sees the ice very well, makes plays through seams. He's like a quarterback. He can look off, you know, his first option and make it to the second or third, uh, which is good. That's a real good skill set. Um, but all in all, uh, the cupboards are still full uh, with what we have there left in Vancouver. I'm excited. I think that this was uh, this was fair. And the first round pick this year, um, you know, I, I love kids at the draft. I've been doing it forever. I know it's an exciting time for them. It's an exciting time for the scouting fraternity. But I have to tell you that uh, the late first round pick in this in this draft cycle, it's not the same as the last couple of draft cycles. So that's uh, that's fair expense as well. On Brustevich specifically, you know, as you mentioned, there he's having the incredible season, but there are also some uh, some reasons to temper expectations a little bit. But I also look at it, you know, they drafted this guy in the third round last year's draft, right? So well less than a year ago. And now he's popped this season. And he's had this campaign where he's significantly increased his value. You know, internally from the Canucks perspective, is it difficult to part with a prospect like that, right, that you found in the third round and now all of a sudden uh, he's having this great season? Or do you look at it as, hey, we did our job, right? We found a guy in the third round and then he immediately increased his value from that point on. So that's what we're supposed to do. And if we use him to get a good player, that's just part of the game. That That's that's well said. I couldn't put any better. Like, that's exactly what it is. Don't fall too in love with your prospects. It's called building out an organization. So you know, selfishly, we all, you know, like Phil Golding, who's the Ontario-based scout here for the Canucks, you know, him and Harv, Todd Harvey, the director of scouting, I'm sure, you know, in the back of their mind, they're, you know, when they draft a kid and they see how well he's doing, you know, it's a feather in their cap and they feel real mm-hmm. good and they'd like to see him pull on a Canucks jersey someday. But I'll tell you what they want to see more than anything else is asset management equal an uptick in the roster. And um, at the end of the day, guys, uh, all the positive conversations that the three of us have been having for for months now about this team, this is just an extension of exactly that. And everybody wants to win more than they care about giving up assets uh, when you have a chance to potentially go on a run in playoffs. So um, this conversation that we're having today compared to the ones we've had the last couple of years, I mean, I'll take this conversation any day. It makes me feel good, right? It gives me the warmer fuzzies compared to the other <laughs> ones. So, um, you know, this is, this is a good news day. Uh, and just quickly, you know, from Calgary's perspective, they get Andre Kuzmenko as well. And we all know the story here uh, with Andre Kuzmenko and how it didn't work with Rick Tockett. Do you think he'll be able to kind of get get it going for Calgary? And what do you think of that fit uh, from the Flames' perspective? Yeah, I think that in short order, he absolutely will. I mean, you know, again, going back to a couple of years ago when we were talking about the addition of Kuzmenko to the roster – um, you know, this is a streaky player who's got some uh, warts. We all know that, you know, defensively, he's no juggernaut. But let's not forget what he did really well last year. And, let, and let's, not, let's not forget about what he is as a human being, too. Like, this is a good teammate. He's fun to be around at the rink. Um, he rips pucks from the backside, the weak side flank on the power play. He's a goal scorer. And goal scorers are streaky. I think this is a good fit for Calgary for where they're at. It gives them, like, for me personally, if, if he hits, um, a, 
and 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 he starts to go off again. Call it twenty-five to thirty goals next year. Let's say by let's say a year from now the Flames don't find themselves in a positive space uh, playoff position-wise, which is you know that's very possible. But he's got twenty-four tucks. Let's just say that. Well, now there's going to be an uptick in interest, and yes, he's got a no move and all that other kind of stuff. But he's in the last year of his deal, so they might be able to punt that asset down the road again if their team isn't in a perfect position, or if they are they might have found something with value. And, you know, let's not forget here, the fact that they didn't have to, the Canucks didn't have to absorb any money. Because personally, I feel better on Kuzmenko organizationally at 4-5 or 4-2-5 mm. than I do at 5-5. Five, five. And that extra million or 1-2-5, like I'm all of a sudden going out and, and, and buying a Nick Sealer or something with it. You, you understand what I mean? So, um, you know, it's... Uh, I bet you he's going to do just fine there. Um, and uh, we'll just see how it goes long-term with the, the way the Flames playing out as a team. One thing I'm hearing as the trade market shapes up, uh, and now we've seen our first real domino fall here, Books, is, you know, and, and you've alluded to this in some of what you've talked about, but teams are really pushing um, in these talks to try and get future first-round picks. Does that surprise you? Does that match what you're hearing? Yeah, it matches exactly what I'm hearing. And I still I still believe that between now and March, we're going to see some trades um, that, like, current prospect capital as well. I, I really believe that there's, there's going to be teams out there looking for um, the return of – and it won't even matter the clock so much. So, like, with Willander at, at college, or if you're talking about a guy who's, who's developing in Europe, for example, like Pedersen is, you know, um, and you know how the, the clocks are different depending on what league you're playing in for arrival at the pro level. I don't think the clock matters as much as the value of the uh, of the prospect. And for me personally, guys, again, and I, I keep coming back to this strategically, and I just want to be honest, and I, I, I don't want people to take it the wrong way. If I'm running a war room right now, knowing what I know about the landscape, I'm going after prospects or I'm punting it down the road for a 2025 first, um, or maybe I might be able to massage it again to get a second this year and get a first next year. I'm spitballing. I'm just saying that the timing doesn't feel great for me to necessarily throw all my cards in for a first this year. I'm looking at attacking in a different way. Jason, appreciate the time and the insight. Again, people should go check out uh, your piece breaking down this trade at sportsnet.ca, and uh, we look forward to chatting again next week. Sounds great, fellas. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you. That is Jason Bukula from Sportsnet's NHL coverage and a former NHL scout weighing in on the Lindholm trade here uh, on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. And, of course, lots uh, for us to still chew on and get into with this trade as well. And uh, we can get into the inbox, 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. Lots of questions coming in here from Mike and Victoria's one, but lots of questions on this. What does an extension for Lindholm look like? And, of course, he is a pending UFA. Now, Jim Rutherford said on the Jeff Merrick show earlier today that, you know, preference would be to keep him long-term, but he also said that's far from a given. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, ideally, he could be. He said he could be a rental, could be a long-term guy. In an ideal world, we'd like to keep him, but as I said, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, so this is a player 29 years old, okay? He'll turn mm -hmm. 30 midway through next season. His trend lines concern me. Yep. Pretty significantly. And and I think we need to 
appreciate a couple things here. One is one thing about the Canucks and how they've built this team, right? And this is to their credit. But in a lot of ways in putting this together, whether it's the Lafferty trade or the DeSmith trade or the Cole signing or even the Pew Suter mm-hmm. or Susie signings, but somewhat less, like the Canucks have really kept their flexibility, their options open. In a world where this season had gone very, very differently, this team would have set the table so that they could change direction relatively quickly, right? In contrast to <laughs> where this club has regularly been, right? The OEL buyout's the biggest piece of this, but there's a, a lot of just like small tinkering moves, trading Horvat, not signing that extension, et cetera, et cetera. In the wake of this deal, the Canucks are looking at 36-ish, 37 million. Mm-hmm. in projected cap space. Now, they've got a lot of good players expiring, right? That, that's a double-edged sword. They've done so well in finding value, and they've performed so well as a team that, like, almost to a man, these expiring guys are having career years and are going to get significant raises. But, you you know, you can't ignore the upside that comes attached to flexibility. Yep especially when that flexibility is attached to a club that seems like they're counting cards in terms of their pro scouting work. I mean, you know, whether it's Bluger or Pew Suter, on and on. I mean, hit after hit after hit, just collecting singles, rallying, you know, in the in the eighth inning. That flexibility is a meaningful asset that I think they have to be protective about. And that I think they will be protective about. The price paid for Lindholm is significant for a rental. But you don't want to chase the logic of the price you pay. No, there's always this perception of like, well, I like it as a rental. It's even better if they can extend him. And I don't like, think that's clearly true in this case. It, it, I mean, you know, it, depending on what that like, is there a world where Lindholm signs for six million on a three year deal? And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But Lindholm's also probably going – I mean, I already told you. Johnny, do you want Lindholm or do you want Johnny Brodzinski? Because those are your yep. two options among right-handed centermen poised to hit the market. Do you want Lindholm or – like Chandler Stevenson, I, I think we'd imagine, would stay in Vegas on a raise. Um, Lindholm, you know, like th- there's just not a lot of really good cent- – Adam Henrique is not really a center. Like it gets pretty grim when you mm-hmm. look at unrestricted free agent center options in the summer where the money's going to raise. Yeah, like, Sean Monaghan. And, yeah. and then you have to get to, and I know this is what the Canucks are going to be weighing, you get to the point like, would you rather have Lindholm seven times seven, let's say, mm-hmm. or retain, you know, let's say Zadorov, uh, no, let's say Myers at four times two plus Joshua at two times three mm-hmm. plus Lafferty at two times whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's like, would you rather have those three glue guys who are, you know, younger and carry less risk individually and are easier to move as a result or Lindholm on this huge ticket for his age 30 seasons? I mean, that's, that's the balance that you have to weigh and the, and the flexibility that this club's going to have is that they're going to have the option, like they're going to have the ability to actually juggle it and yeah. figure out 
what's best for the team. And the Lindholm contract discussion is interesting because some, somebody else asked, you know, is the Bo Horvat contract a comp for Elias Lindholm? Now, when Bo Horvat signed that deal, I think the Lindholm camp certainly thought it was. And at that point, he was only, what, six months removed from having a career year, 40 goal score, second in the Selkie when he was playing with uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk for the Flames. Now, you look where he's gone since then. I mean, Horvat just had such a wild platform year. Yeah. I don't know that that is now a comp for Elias Lindholm, given how his career has gone since then and his uh, production has gone since then. But I will say this. You talk about a high leverage situation for a player, right? And now he leaves Calgary, who long shot to make the playoffs this year, or at least very least up against it to make the playoffs, gets to come to Vancouver. He's probably going to ride shotgun with Elias Pettersson. So he's back to playing with an elite player like he was during his best years in Calgary. And he's going to have a chance to do it in the playoffs. He's going to have a chance to resuscitate his platform year here, going into unrestricted free agency. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to crush it um, necessarily, right? The Canucks hope he does. But he has a chance to really change how the market perceives him, or at least to to kind of get back to where he was in terms of perception, I think, a, a little bit a couple of years ago. Yeah, so the most relevant Horvat comparable was Thomas Tomash Hurdle. Mm-hmm. And Lindholm with even with the even with the platform year struggles this season, profiles similarly. Like we're talking about, you know, reliable two way guys, top of the lineup caliber, point six five to point seven points per game. That's kind of the market. Like that's an eight million dollar player. So I, you know, and and with the cap going up, is that an eight and a half? Is that a nine mm-hmm. million dollar player? I mean, we'll see if people are actually willing. It, we'll see if the market will actually bear that for Lindholm. I think that is an open question. Um, you know, maybe he loves it here, right? Like, yeah, there's maybe all he's sorts, like, I love playing with Elias Pettersson. I love walking to the rink from you know from Yaletown. From Yaletown, yeah. yeah. I love the seawall walk to the rink, and I want to keep doing. It. I, who knows, right? I love I love Rick Tockett. Who doesn't? Other than Andre Kuzmenko. (laughs) I also love puzzles. I love puzzles. (laughs) I don't know why the puzzle thing is so so amusing to me. Uh, Talkit's going to be on Halford and Bruff tomorrow, and they just got to—they got to ask him like, "What kind of guy would you say Elias Lindholm is? (laughs) Like wall guy, inside guy? What do you think? What kind of guy is Lindholm? Well, has anyone ever asked Rick if he really likes Jenga? Because that's a wall puzzle. I feel like that combines it's his two like favorite a things. a tower puzzle. I wouldn't really call it a wall. Does a tower have walls? Yeah, but... Whatever. I rest my case. <laughs> All right. You're not building a wall <laughs> when you're playing Jenga. You're not. <laughs> anyway, um, Lindholm. We, don't, we just don't know what it looks like, but I think the two major takeaways here are do not confuse a really good player in Elias Lindholm for, like, a genuine superstar level, like an elite-level player, like Elias Pettersson, right? Yep. The two Eliases might share a first name, but they are not comparable pieces by any means, and I don't view this as Pettersson insurance. I do, however, view it as a trade that enhances, in, in material ways, Vancouver's flexibility mm-hmm. going into this offseason, which is, which is positive, especially given the discipline that this management group has shown in managing flexibility to this point. And, you know, I I have zero issue and, in fact, might prefer the deal if it is a pure rental. I I think that's the key point here. This is not like, ooh, that's a steep price unless they can sign him. It's like, no, you got him for this run. You have the option, potentially, of signing him to an extension. And I agree. He's not – it's not as if, like, well, if Pedersen walks, we'll just sign Lindholm and then we're good to go. It's not that at all. Good to go where? Yeah. <laughs> but – 
if the worst case come fr- uh, comes to fruition with Elias Pettersson and he does leave, again, you've got a, a guy on hand who you've gotten to take a look at, and it's an option, at least. It becomes, to me, a more plausible option uh, to sign him. So I think that's the key here, right? Like, they've got all these different things they can do this summer, depending on how these next four or five months go. Yeah, I've seen the, don't worry, we lost an elite player, but we're fine, we have Elias Lindholm movie before, and I didn't enjoy yeah, it. You didn't like what happened in Calgary over the last couple of years? Not a huge fan. No, but not he's, great. That doesn't mean he's not a great fit. I just, I, I, I'm... I'm out on the insurance angle. Yeah, no. It, it's it's flexibility. I'm out on the insurance angle. I'm in on the on the player and the short-term needs he fills. We will take a break. Jeremy Colleton, head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks, will join us next. Always looking forward to chatting uh, with Jeremy. Get his take on what his team is doing and some of the interesting prospects down there on Abbotsford as well. That's coming up next here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here, Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Strands here with you. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? It is time for the Abbotsford Farm Report brought to you by Homes, by David L. Young of Dexter Realty. Here, there, everywhere, visit homesbydavidlyoung.com. And uh, for the Abbotsford Report, we now go live to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. We are joined by the head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks, Jeremy Colleton. Jeremy, thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. How are you? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And, you know, we'll get into some of the uh, specific players on your team and some of the things going on with the team on a day-to-day basis uh, soon here. But, you know, Patrick Alvin gave the press conference yesterday after he signs an extension to remain the general manager uh, of the Canucks into the future. And, you know, speaking about his goals and how he sees this this club – he kept coming back to, you know, Abbotsford as a big part of the, uh, the, the puzzle that they're building here. And when you hear that kind of recognition from the general manager, you know, on that occasion of him signing um, uh, an extension with the team, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I came initially was uh, I'm pretty sure it's exactly a conversation I had with Patrick was I want to be part of building something. And uh, that's what gets you excited and uh obviously you know everyone loves winning and you can contribute to that that's uh pretty worthwhile and make work more competitive people uh, there's a lot of competitive people in this organization and hopefully that's gonna you know lead to results so um obviously we know we know our role um we want to do our part i think everyone takes a lot of pride in uh, vancouver having the success we're having and um Hopefully, with that, it can lead to, you know, more. Jeremy, you talk about building something, and it's kind of an interesting dynamic for the American League coach in that as the team gets better, right, as the individual players on the NHL team perform better, right, their market value enhances, right? It becomes harder at the NHL level to have the same amount of depth, and in some ways, that makes your contribution, right, preparing guys to potentially step into roles next season, like that much higher leverage. Is that something you're conscious of? Yeah, I think uh, 
probably no matter the situation, Mm. you know, if we can be, be getting guys ready to step in and, and make a difference, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to help, you know, I think even from last year, you know, our team to the team we have in Vancouver, there's a bunch of guys who spent a lot of time with us who are, who are contributing. I think that depth, like you need, in my opinion, Mm-hmm. If you don't have depth, I don't know how you win consistently at the NHL level. So you've got to have guys who can come in and play. Whether it could be 80 games, but even 30 games makes a big difference. And uh, so when we get guys, like sometimes we get 20-year-olds, sometimes we get 26-year-olds. Right. And if we can get them ready to play, that helps uh, build out the depth and competition. And I think that's an important component of any team success it can't be a guarantee that certain guys are going to play in certain situations no matter what because you have no one else I just think that that's one of our as coaches that's one of our main tools we have is ice time and opportunity Mm -hmm. and if you don't have competition it's really tough to enforce a high standard of play Mm. so you know as (laughs) From from being a head coach in the NHL, I think I have that experience to, to recognize how important it is, and that's part a big part of my job is to support talk and the organization by getting guys ready. In preparing, sort of some of this organization's um, higher profile young players, we've seen now in consecutive years. So both of your years in Abbotsford. Hoaglander last year and Pod Colson this year, the sort of assignment with um, like maybe a degree of patience beyond that which we'd expect for like a normal sort of um, recall option, right? Uh, give a guy a, a long runway in Abbotsford to, to build up their confidence. D- does that, does your approach with those sorts of players, you know, within the context of that accountability um, materially change at all? Uh, well, I do think that having a longer runway and more mm. time to build their habits and their, the base of their game is, uh, I think it's a huge benefit, especially for guys in their first contract. Um, it's a hard, like NHL is a hard league. Like, um, I, I don't know, like you're going to face adversity and, uh, the pressure and the scrutiny and uh, there's not a lot of room for error. And so if you don't have a base of, of your game that you can fall back on when, you know, you're, you're facing adversity or you're, it's a back-to-back or, uh, you, you know, confidence maybe isn't there, I think it's really hard to be consistent at the next level. So we're trying to give that to our guys, that base, so that when they're having an off night, their minimum level is still high enough that they can be counted on when the game's on the line. You know, and it's not like we want guys to produce, you know, like obviously like it's, it's part of, if you don't make plays at our level, it's going to be hard to make plays and drive play at the next level. But it's, it's more about how they play and, and can, can we, can we get guys ready to be on the ice when the game's on the line? Because of the coaching options that you can put out there. So, you know, that's, 
we're trying to get them there. Apologies for jumping in a couple of times there, uh, Jerry. I don't know why I'm uh, trigger happy all of a sudden here. But, uh, you know, yeah, no one, one of the other things we hear from the organization from all levels is uh, about, you know, building that that internal competition. And I think from the outside, we often look at that as maybe, you know, at training camp, somebody who's maybe unexpected coming up and pushing for a spot. But that's a year-round thing, right? And from your perspective as the coach of, of Abbotsford, how do you translate that idea of building that internal internal competition uh, to kind of a day-by-day level? Yeah, I think that that is often the push-pull of, the American league. And I don't believe every organization does it the same way. Uh, like I personally believe that you need to uh, enforce a standard for how you play, how you practice, how you compete, how do you play for the team? Because if you don't, you get to the NHL and, and then, you know, certain things are expected. If you don't, if that's not part of your DNA, part of your identity, you just can't flick a switch. So, I don't think, like, obviously we we're, we invest a lot of time in our young players and give them every opportunity um, to succeed, but it doesn't mean they necessarily get on the ice um, unless they've earned it, you know? And I think that's, that's the best way we can prepare these guys to play at the next level and be counted on, be someone that, that Vancouver can win with. And so... But I believe what happens is sometimes you find players you didn't expect to find. You know, you, mm. a guy who wasn't drafted, um, a guy who maybe spent time in the East Coast League or maybe either on their second or third organization. If it's based, if if what they get is based on merit and based on what they give to the team, I think the cream rises to the top, and you get useful players that maybe you didn't expect to get, and uh, young guys who maybe don't have it figured out early they're forced to change. They're forced to adapt their game, adapt their mentality to, to how they need, you know, how they need to act. And it might take a little bit of extra time, but I think the, the end product is, is better in the end. Jeremy, uh, AHL All-Star Game is coming about. One of those undrafted guys uh, Arshdeep Baines will represent the Abbotsford Canucks there. I know he's been a star pupil uh, within the organization for a long time. I know his offensive game, especially on the power play, has taken a big step forward. What are you seeing from him in his second professional year? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, perfect timing to bring him up because that's that's a great example. Right? He wasn't drafted, um, doesn't have like – he had good numbers in, in the Western League, but not mm-hmm. like a huge pedigree where, he, you know, this is a can't-miss player. But um, he's been totally committed to to getting his, you know, to improving his game. And uh, it doesn't mean it's there's ups and downs. Like he was in and out of the lineup last year, at the beginning of the year. Even even this year, there's been times where, you know, the production is there, but the two-way play, the managing the game has been, you know, inconsistent at times. But he's still he's getting better all the time, you know, and, and the way we are really young this year and we've had a ton of injuries at our level. Vancouver hasn't really uh, needed as many guys. They've been relatively healthy, but we've just been ravaged all year. And so we got guys playing, you know, huge minutes. We're asking a lot of them. And he's been one of those guys who, if he's not good on any given night, we, we're not winning 
and that's a lot to take on as a second year pro, but he's, uh, he's getting better all the time and, and learning how to be a producing player while also not losing those two way habits that are getting a chance to play in the NHL. So, um, he's, he's doing well and, and great to see him be recognized as well with uh, the all-star nod. You know, as you mentioned, Baines undrafted comes from the WHL and, you know, making these really impressive strides early in his pro career. What impact does it have on the rest of the team when they see a player like that undrafted who's really fighting for his chance in pro hockey and they see how he's developing and how seriously he's taking it? What does that do for the rest of the team? Yeah, huge impact because I think it just shows that you, the story's not written. Like, you know, you're going to, if you're willing to put the work in and, and, uh, play for the team and, and obviously you gotta you gotta work on your skill level and your skating and all, and all those things but if you're willing to to do it there's a path for you to play it in the nhl to to and what we i mean i i've told these guys you know all last year this year the best thing i can do for you is help you be someone who can play in a winning team to the next level because if, if you're that guy you're gonna you have a chance to have a long career make a lot of money you know have a great have a great life and uh, so I think, you know, the more guys we can, like, help on that path, no matter where they start, it's great for everyone. Great for their careers, great for their organization. You know, hopefully hopefully we can produce more players than can even fit on Vancouver. Now we have extra assets that we can use. Mm. Yes, well, just in terms of team performance, right? You guys are, you know, in, in a pretty tight, like, it's a pretty tight, at the uh, sort of Western Conference level that you're at, which is, you know, fifth in the West going into just slightly past the halfway point. Um, What have you liked about the way your club has trended and and weathered some of those injuries to this point? Yeah, it's a dogfight. And (laughs) uh, I think I've, I might've said this to you guys before, but I think we are very fortunate to play in the division we're in. Mm. It's our own little league. There's 10 teams, but it's very competitive. Uh, There's a lot of, a lot of teams, uh, you know, with excellent rosters and, uh, it's, you're being tested every night and it's a great, uh, development environment, um, for our guys. And this year, like we are younger and, and then in addition to that, we've, we've been missing a lot of players throughout the year. We're missing a bunch of guys now. So that's been, it's been a challenge. Um, sometimes, you know, you're trying to hold it together, but at the same time, the opportunity some guys have been given and the you know, they've been really challenged Mm -hmm. and some guys have stepped forward and some guys have shown they're not quite ready. And that's, but that's great. You know, it it just shows you where you got to go. And uh, I think now we're to the point, like we're, again, we're still beat up, but second half of the year, uh, there's no rookies after Christmas. You gotta, it's time to, you gotta step forward and, and show you can help us win. And, and, uh, that's I think we're 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 asking for more consistency from our team. Uh, the high level we've seen it. The minimum level's got to go up, and if it does, then I think we're going to be really competitive down to the end and be in a position to play playoff games. Um, that's a great again great opportunity for our group. One of the players that I know fans are very interested in on your team, of course, is Vasily Podkolzin. And, you know, as we talk about the organization maybe needing young players to come in and fulfill roles at the NHL level, whether it's later this year or even going into next season, I think, you know, he's a name that uh, that's going to come up. 
do you think he's almost there to that level where, you know, he can be called up to the NHL, counted on to play a role and be there permanently rather than going back and forth between the AHL and the NHL? Yeah. I mean, he's played in the league. Like it's not as if he's, he's never played games. He's got a lot of games under his belt. I think, uh, you know, what he's still building is that consistency, that base. I think you saw it last year, like he came up and he looked really good early on. And then it's hard, it's hard to keep your level. And so, you know, we're trying to help him find that base where even when he's not feeling it, it's not his best night. You know, the, the coach can still put him on the ice, you know, at the end of a period or last 10, five, 10 minutes of the game when the game's on the line. And I think even you know, here at our level, at his best, you know, he's best player on the ice, you know, and physical and you know, hard to play against and driving the puck in the net and, and uh, just a menace, you know, with him without the puck. And it's just finding, finding a way to bring that, you know, 95% of the time as opposed to 70% of the time. But I would say like the last couple of weeks, it's, it's been more consistent and um, you know, it's as we play, you know, bigger and bigger games going down the stretch. I think that brings the best out of those types of guys. Like I think when I think back to Hoglander last year, you know, he was up and down uh, for the first couple months with us. But as the games, you know, it got to be more of a playoff style and playoff atmosphere. And then into the playoffs, he really found another level. And, and once you learn how to play in those games and, and be that guy, again, I, I said it before, it becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of who you are. It's not something you, you think of doing uh, when you're reminded. It's just something that's, that's just what you become. And that's what we got to get to with Pucks. Jeremy, appreciate the time today and uh, and filling us in on the latest with the Abbotsford Canucks. I know you got a pair of uh, of home games this coming up this weekend, so uh, best of luck in those, and hopefully we can chat again soon. Thanks so much. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for joining us, Jeremy. That is Jeremy Colleton, head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks. And, yeah, they play Friday and Saturday in Abbotsford against the San Jose Barracuda. You can get tickets for those right now uh, at the Abbotsford Canucks website. And uh, some interesting commentary there just in general about the philosophy he uses to go about building his team, about some of the specific players as well. And I did think it was interesting that, you know, hear him kind of explicitly say, yeah, we develop guys and they become assets. And that's great. Like, that's something that uh, the organization can use to go out and acquire more players for the big team. And one of the notable facets of the uh, Elias Lindholm acquisition is they didn't trade anybody from from Abbotsford, right? Hunter Bristavich obviously still playing in the OHL. So uh, Jeremy Colton still has all of those young players to develop and mold into either players or assets for the Canucks. Yeah, I think the club's pretty happy about that. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think there were a variety of assets that they didn't want to part with I yep. think they really wanted to fix their costs and in, in terms of giving up a 2024 and not a more open-ended mm. or conditional first round pick mm -hmm. and I, I think they prized those players in Abbotsford really significantly you know with that said the first is gone Brustevich is a chip played yep this team could still add I I, I don't think it'll be quick like, I don't expect, like, another fast domino. You know, I think my, my, my guess would be that we'll see this settle a little bit, see how the team performs. I still think the club will be watching with a laser focus, trying to evaluate on, do we have enough size up front? Mm -hmm. Do we need more help on the back end? 
I think those are the two questions that are still going to be asked here. And, you know, if they get to the point where they're trying to add additional depth for the playoffs, an additional puck-moving D, an additional right-handed D, you know, I could still see one of those Abbotsford players being part of the package to bring in the right sure, piece. Sure, absolutely. Well, you well, look cer- at it now. Certainly more likely than the type of unique opportunity that would cause the club to really have a long think about trading a Volander or a oh, yeah. You know, like that. Th- those guys, I don't want to say untouchable because this is Jim Rutherford we're talking about. This guy tips his own trades in radio interviews. <laughs> <laughs> this is like high noon stuff, yeah. gunslinger stuff, right? And it's awesome, by the way. What a legend. There's kind of like an old school showmanship element to that to that like type of sports executive that we don't see that much anymore they've had a great season obviously in a great year since hiring rick tockett but you just think of the this month right rutherford gets the extension alvin gets the extension same day rutherford goes on radio in toronto is like yeah man, might not have to wait long before a trade happens and breaks the trade big trade like what maybe the biggest piece that will move at the deadline in january Tipping a trade and having everyone think you're kidding, because who would do that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. It's very good. It's so cool. It's such a flex. Anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, whether or not they'll add. Oh, but LeCarrie Mackey and Volander in particular, like they've are this. The Lindholm deal is such a big swing. If they were going to be moved, it would have been in the biggest swing, right? And they they weren't moved in this one. I think a lot would have to happen before those guys get moved now, right? I, I think there was. A, ch- a chance that the Canucks did something bigger or uh, but now that they've you know gotten off the Kuzmenko money brought in Lindholm mm-hmm. uh, dealt their first like man I really think Volander and LaCaramacchi are going to be very hard for another team to pry loose I think it's going to take a really unique multi-year opportunity with a player that they view as you know, if not a core piece, like that next yep. heronic type level. That, that's what I was just going to say. Piece. Like that quality of, oh, wow, this could really meaningfully raise our ceiling mm-hmm. uh, as a team. Uh, so I don't expect that. Yeah. But I do think the next asset up, like the next best asset that the club has to play, you know, it's probably Pod Colson. And so it's interesting. I think the club's, I don't think the club, the club is clearly, explicitly, Taking the Niels Hoaglander type approach where Pod Colson's going to stay in the American League. They don't want to bring him up for a game. They want to bring him up forever. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, given how many expiring contracts they have, I mean, there's a reason I pointedly asked that question of Colton, right? This club's probably going to find itself in a spot where they're really hoping that Baines or Pod Colson come into camp next year and, and win a job, yeah. right? Provide some of that size they need on the... In the bottom six, um, help them replace some of the really useful, you know, glue players that have because of their contributions to this team that's currently first in the NHL, you know, are, are about to cash in and and fair enough. And they're going to do their best to keep those players on fair deals, but they're not going to be able to keep everybody. No, there's going to be opportunity available. So those moves won't be done lightly. But I do still think even as this patient approach is being taken with Pod Colson. I do think it's at least worth grappling with the reality that, you know, that's probably their best asset left to play, that they'd still be at least, you know, still, they'd probably be holding their nose, but, you know, uh, in a totally different fashion than with a Volander or a LeCaramacchi for obvious reasons. I mean, I still think Pud Colson could play a role in the playoffs. 
for them, right? Like if it comes to it with injury or something, right? Now maybe it's not you don't love that option, but like he's there. He's he was drafted in 2019. He's not super super young. He's played in the NHL before, right? So like that's depth to me. That's depth that you have on hand for the playoffs. I mean, so I'm just going to litigate that briefly if you don't mind. Sure. Um okay. So with Lindholm added, With Lindholm added and probably pay- playing with Pedersen, you're assuming that Amon, Lafferty, Hoaglander remains your fourth line. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he gets in over any of the 12 that are the 12 healthy forwards that they have. No. But if there's an injury or something, right, and you need him to come in, like who, it, let's say it's round one of the playoffs. So one injury, one injury, Phil DiGiuseppe. Yeah. Right? Um, two injuries. Is it Sheldon Dries? I think it might be Pod Colson, depending on the role. Over Baines? I think so, right? If it's a bottom six role and you think about the forechecking and the physicality. I don't know. I would bet on Pod Colson over Baines. Played in the NHL, Baines hasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly I just don't know. Like I you might be right. Um, but I think it's close. Like it or and you and it might also be Linus Carlson. Like I do think Rick Tockett likes, likes the reliability yep. of that stick on puck game right the work on the walls the size so anyway the the point is is at this point pod colson's 23 he's waiver uh he requires waivers next, next year, year and and we're at, le- at least it's debatable when i bring up sheldon dries linus carlson or pod colson mm-hmm. or arch deep Baines, right that's you know i think that speaks volumes even if you even if our listeners agree with you that yeah. he'd be the next guy. Sure, it's not like clear cut. Oh man, I can't believe we're going to be able to bring this guy in for the playoffs. You know what I mean? But I do think he could be an option at some point there. Um, on what they could do beyond this. So Rutherford on the Jeff Merrick show today. Here's what he had to say on that. We'll watch the team real close until the deadline. I'd like to think it's more about tweaking now. We hope that we don't have to do anything else, but we'll see what comes along and what the prices are closer to the deadline, right? So kind of acknowledging this was probably our big move. No surprise there. Of course, it's a big move. Maybe we don't have to do anything, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what comes along. We'll see what the prices are. So leaving the door open as well. I also wanted to note uh, your colleague at The Athletic, Pierre Lebrun, has a new piece uh, looking at some of the potential fallout from this Lindholm deal. And speaking of Chris Tanev, he says, I think Tanev gets dealt in the end. Vancouver, by the way, tried hard to have him included in the Lindholm trade, but the price point was too high. There are just too many teams of interest. The general price tag right now from Calgary is a second round pick plus another asset, according to league sources. If a team would be willing to jump up to a first round pick, they'd probably get Tanev now. So, that's an interesting framing from LeBron, right? Because, you know, we'll see maybe a team isn't willing to pay a first-round pick, and maybe the price comes down a little bit closer to the deadline. It's poker. This is poker. Okay? Yep. But I, I think there's confidence. Like, I think the Calgary Flames think they're holding the nut cards with the best defender mm. likely to move, and they believe they can get a first. And, you know, if that's the case... I don't know that the Canucks can make that happen. They just traded their first. Yeah. You know, I, and I don't think it's that I don't think it's that complicated beyond that. I mean, they have next year's. Now that's I, I that's a big price to pay. I think that would be something they'd be very reluctant to do at this stage. Um not to say that they wouldn't trade next year's first, but I don't think they're going to trade next year's first with 
uncertainty hanging over one of their most important mm-hmm. superstar level players uh, and, you know, 40 million in useful expiring <laughs> contracts. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the sort of move that we could see them make next year in season. I think there'd be a, a fair bit of reluctance given how they're positioned to do it in advance. We should also note Canucks don't have their second round pick this year. So their earliest 2024 pick that they own right now is their third, which of course could end up going to Calgary uh, if they make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, so the, so the second was They traded. actually kind of can't trade it. <laughs> well, they could. It would just be like you'd have to work it out with the other with the other team that it would be you're either getting our third or like right. our fourth and our fifth or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah. I it mean, would be complicated, but it, you could do it. <laughs> a 515 graph yeah. press release. <laughs> Describing the conditions on the pick. But so they don't have their second round pick. So that in terms of like what other assets do they have to play with? You're right. If you're taking Lakaramaki, Volander, and the 2025 first off the table, then you're down to Pugholes and Ratu. Yeah. And right? I, I don't think you're taking it off the table, but it has to be something like. Yeah. You know, oh, we ha- we can't miss this opportunity. It has to rise to that level, I think, before the Canucks will get serious on that, you know, about parting with assets that valuable. We will take a break. Lots more to get into on the other side, though. I do want, there's a, a chance he's doing media availabilities for the All-Star Game in Toronto. There's a chance that we get a call uh, from new Canuck, Elias Lindholm, here in the final segment of the show. No, no promises. No guarantees. I don't want to promise it. Again, he's got his media obligations in Toronto, but we'll see if the timing works out. Hopefully we can talk to him. If not, we'll take lots of your texts on the other side here on Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd and Thomas Trance here with you. One final segment of the show. Big day. Lots to chew on here. We are live from the Kintech studio. 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Brook Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Calm. Uh, by the way, Patrick Alvine will be giving a, a Zoom media availability two days in a row meeting with the media for Patrick Alvine. I believe that's at 4.30. So uh, you'll either be able to hear that live or at least hear the highlights uh, here on Sportsnet 650, of course, when that happens. Um, so now, of course, I mean, we've done, you know, the big trade. Two days, two press conferences for Patrick Alvine. Yeah. Busy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I love to look back because we did the game um, yesterday. Like, how much do you read into all of these quotes from Patrick Alvin? And some of them were like, well, you know, it might just be more depth moves that we do. You never know. <laughs> it's like, okay, that should have been a zero. <laughs> <laughs> what what did we give it? I don't know. but it's like, I don't think we were ever. I don't think that. we were particularly high on it. No. <laughs> I, um, yeah. I'd, I think he knew when he talked. I just love like if, the, if, the yin and yang of know... Rutherford and Alvian, though, right? Oh, well, it's Alvian's so good. like, oh, no, we might not do it. You know, might just be depth. You never know. We got to really weigh this carefully. And Rutherford's like, yeah, we're probably gonna do a trade tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. What a duo. What a combo. 
Um, yeah, you know, you you need that in any good working relationship, right? You 100%. need the, you need someone to rein rein it rein it in and keep it on the rails, and you yep. need someone who's uh, shooting from the hip. I did like this text though uh, from Chet and Burnaby. Uh, he says, hey, it got drowned out by the big trade, but Alvin's comment about no one should get too big a piece of the pie, people thought it was about Pedersen, but what if it was about uh, Hironic? It rarely gets talked about, but what if he's looking for a big raise? What if it was preemptively about Elias Lindholm? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is like that This is like that galaxy brain meme, you know what I mean? Yeah. It like, goes down further and further. Hironic's going to get a big piece of the pie. He is. Somewhere. Whether it's the pie here or the pie somewhere else, he's going to get a big piece of the oh, pie. I think they're going to try and go long. They, I mean, I, I don't think there's I mean, he's been mystery. a great fit. I don't think there's a ton of mystery. I think they're going to try and go long. No one wants to do the arbitration dance mm. and the, you know, um, obviously things will be in a bit of a holding pattern while, while they figure out the Pedersen piece and that makes sense, right? You got to work from the top down in, in terms of your biggest line items. But I think... I think getting Heronic done and, and getting Heronic done with some significant term will be this club's preferred approach. And and honestly, I mean, they just traded an offensive-minded right-handed defender. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a... Um, Brustevich probably had more value than Elias Pettersson, but not by a mile, right? Like, in the same realm, mm-hmm. right? The defensive prospect, Yeah. Now, yes. Yeah, of course. In the same hot sports radio debate. <laughs> Who has more value? Elias Pettersson or Hunter Vrstevich? Yeah, I mean, we can... That's a that's a quick one if you're talking about yeah. um, PD the first. But yeah, no, the... <laughs> the uh, and, and maybe it was Calgary's preference, right? I mean, that's part of prospect trade values. Exchange mm-hmm. values, you know, d- differ based on the... Um, individual preferences of individual evaluators for individual teams but you know i i guarantee you that at least somewhere along the way in amateur scouting conversations or uh, management meetings right like part of the logic of brustevich being being willing to part with brustevich as opposed to other things is well we've got quinn hughes managing the power play for the next four years at least yep and we've got heronic you know i that's We've part got, of it. like, second offensive defenseman. Yes. Yeah. And we're so, expecting to have that filled long-term. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no question. No question in my mind. So, you know, I do think there's – um yeah. There, anyway, that's all I'm saying. I I think I think Ronick's going to be a priority. I don't think that was a shot at anybody. I, personally. No, I don't think it was a shot. I think it was I, – I think it was just speaking generally about I've got a million UFAs to sign. I'm going to have to be really careful about that yeah. and how I divvy up the money. For sure. And and honestly, I think the strength of depth, the strength in numbers approach that we're seeing from the Canucks this year is really instructive. Right? And, and I do think we're seeing the inverse play out. Now, I'm a big believer that you get to a certain point and need to begin to cash out good players for great ones. Mm. I think you need to take those shots. Right? That's the Vegas model. Like, that's a big part of what Vegas did was continuously be willing to trade an Alex Tuck to try and get your Jack Eichel, yep. right? Um, being willing to trade really good prospect pieces for Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone. I mean, go down the list. Like, they've been willing to take swings on top of the lineup pieces, and they've built a powerhouse doing so. I think that's an important step that every team goes through. But in so doing, 
you know, Vegas doesn't win the Vegas doesn't win the cup without Jack Eichel and Mark Stone. We all know this. Alex Pietrangelo being willing to trade out Nate Schmidt to upgrade to Alex Pietrangelo. Yep. But they also don't win the cup without like Michael Amadio and that Carrier line. Chandler Stevenson. They got for a fifth round pick. Yeah, that's a that's a home run. <laughs> I mean, that's a I don't think people are ready for the Chandler Stevenson. He might be Mozgov. Yeah, that's actually a really good pick he might for be the Timothy Mozgov, Mozgov of the Except of he's the NHL. so much better than Mozgov. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't think pe- pe- he's a top 10. Well, the rate. Mozgov was a double whammy because it was like also the league was changing to make him less valuable at the same time. You know what I mean? It was yep. like it was two trends intersecting at like the worst possible way or the best possible way for him. For the highest profile <laughs> franchise. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. It was great. <laughs> um, no, I, but Stevenson's like a top 10 rate scorer five on five for among all NHL centermen. I mean, think about that for a sec. Like, all the best players in the league are centers. Yep. Well, not all of them, but a most lot of them, them are. And and he's top ten. Like, geez. Anyway, um, I still think that's an important phase to go through. But man, if you get it wrong, and the Kings look like they have with Dubois, although I'm still holding out. Um, like a lot of Dubois' struggles look percentage based to me. I, I and quality of of team mate based to me. Mm-hmm. I still think. No one should be surprised if the playoffs start and Dubois is like destroying people, right? Because that's what Dubois kind of does. Anyway, the Kings look like they've got it wrong in that Gabe Velarde turns out to have been like a bigger driver than certainly I realized. Um, you know, Rasmus Kupari hasn't even been a big part of the Jets' success, but you know how I feel about Rasmus yep. Kupari. He's sick. Uh, There's another piece involved. I follow. Oh, man. Good and I follow is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you, you trade three useful pieces for one. And do you have enough, right? The the Kings are still good, but the Jets have really leveled up. Like, to this point, it looks like a home run for Winnipeg. Um, so, you know, I, I think you got to look at that and almost apply the same concept, except internally. Like, the Canucks are facing their own internal decision on that beneath the Pedersen-Heronic tier now that the, you have Lindholm, right? If you keep Lindholm, but it costs you Lafferty, Joshua... Cole, yeah, um, Myers, on and on. You know, are you better? Or are you better maximizing the number of players who've been big contributors this season, um, and and being willing to walk away from Lindholm like that? That's a dynamic that I find fascinating and, and one that I think the Canucks will have to grapple with. And maximizing your ability to try to repeat last year's, or at least come close to repeating last year's free agency success, right? Mm. Giving yourself that extra totally. money to work with going into the summer because you get like. There's a world where the Canucks are one of the power players in free agency this summer with the amount of cap space oh, yeah. they could have and the different things they could do. And how things could shake out. And I don't know what the market for like cap dump trades is going to be now that people can start seeing growth. Uh, the growth coming, right? I don't think it's going to be as robust as it was during like the really dark days of the flat cap era, but they could still be players in that market too. You still might be able to get f- players for free. You just probably aren't getting You're not paid. getting paid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you at least get them for free or like a severely discounted price relative yeah. to their performance. I, I think you're right. Uh, maybe we should ditch the pie. Maybe pie is the wrong analogy. <laughs> but I love pie. Um, <laughs> Dude, ditch the pie. Big. <laughs> How dare you? It's banana cream. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> What's your favorite pie? We My should draft pie. Pies. That's a good one. We'll do that. We'll oh, do that. 3.14. Obviously not. Yeah. Uh, I think probably like apple. Oh, classic. I mean, it's great. Yeah, it's But I don't good. know. I love uh, I love blueberry pie. Blueberry Me too? pie is yeah. fantastic. Char- strawberry rhubarb? Strawberry. Oh, 
Yeah. Love strawberry. That's the number one. <laughs> that's the right answer. Um, that's the answer I was hoping bar. for. Anyway, <laughs> you know, you know from the fact that you reacted like <laughs> someone who drank too much the night before yeah. ordering a Caesar. Like, I do, oh yes, I do love banana cream though as well. I gotta say. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like, Anything, listen, any guys? There's a lot of good pies out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um. <laughs> oh my goodness. The. I think we should ditch. Maybe it's more like cake. And what the Canucks did this year, right, was they, first of all, turned Oliver Ekman Larson into a cake, <laughs> and then instead of doling out pieces, they did cake bites. Lots of it was more like appetizer size. I'm just imagining the um, the Netflix show is a cake, <laughs> a life <laughs> life size Oliver Ekman Larson cake. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I love that show. <laughs> I've watched every episode they've ever made. That's like absolutely one of my, um, you know, I'm not even guilty about it. I yeah, just love it. Just a pleasure. It. Not a guilty pleasure. I don't know why. It's fun to see th- things stabbed with a knife and like sometimes the knife doesn't stab them. <laughs> so good. The host of that show is like my broadcasting idol. Oh, yeah. It's like he has one thing he has to say, which is, is it cake over and over and over again? And he's clearly just practiced like 10,000 different ways of saying, is it cake <laughs> with different intonation and pronunciation. It's fantastic. He, he's he's honestly really good at it, too. It's like, is it yeah. cake? <laughs> and it completely changes his, the meaning his 500th of the scene. way of saying it. <laughs> he does such a good job. Yeah. Anyways. Shout out to Mike, Mikey Day. What were you, What were you talking about? I have no idea. Oh, cake. Cake, cake bites. Cake pops, yeah. Yeah, cake pops. Are they and called cake bites? Larson. I don't know. You said cake bites. Man, we really got off the rails yeah. in this segment. <laughs> you had a point you were going to make. I did. I made it. Oh, you made it. Okay. Maybe you're better off with the appetizers. <laughs> okay. I you see. know, I, honestly. I see. Honestly, I think you might be better off with, with cake bites as opposed to the, the big slices of pie. Well, definitely at a certain point, right? Like, and this is, you know... I think it's a less pronounced dynamic in the NHL than it is in the NBA, but I think we're seeing teams move away from, like, the big three era, right? Because it's like, well, there's only one basketball to go around, and if you have three really high-usage offensive players, you're getting diminishing returns, rather than having two really, really good top-of-the-lineup players and then quality role players around them. And I think there's a similar dynamic in the NHL. You know, if you have your superstar core talent, like the Canucks do, with Pedersen, like, basically, you fill out power play one, with super high-end offensive guys, and then you're looking for those role players after that, right? In a lot of ways. <laughs> I'm sorry. The text message inbox is just people suggesting pie types. Yeah. And someone suggests a lemon buttermilk pie, which I have never had, but now must. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds very good. So what were you saying? I was... <laughs> It wasn't about pies, so you tuned out. I did. I'm sorry. You completely tuned out. No, no, no I'm saying, kidding. Like, I, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to need a recap. I was saying, like, okay, in the NBA, there was the big three era, right? Okay, like right. Moved sorry. around from that because it's what? like, well, okay, there's only one ball to go around. Stacking high usage offensive players, there's really diminishing returns when you get to number three, right? The, the problem with this analogy, though, is that the NHL or the NBA modified. The rules. Mm. Do you know about this? The second bib? The second yeah, the apron? Second apron. So the yes. second apron, the second bib, um, impacts. So when you go over the second apron, which means you go as far into the luxury tax as the Golden State Warriors 
do year after year with a $200 million roster, you actually lose the ability to do like the mid-level exceptions yeah, yeah, or the yeah. biannual uh, veteran exception. You you lose the ability to sign guys in season. So it actually strips your roster flex away from you. So you can't just be in on three guys and then be like, well, this guy got waived. We're adding. We're going to get him. You know, whatever, dude. Yeah. Um, so that they like really made it punitive. And and I the Bradley Beal trade was the one that I thought people didn't understand because the Suns effectively built a big three. They gave the Warriors nothing in return, and people were like, "What a steal for Arizona!" And I was like, "I've seen this movie, I've seen this movie. This is the Oliver Ekman Larson trade. Like this is well, they got the best player in the deal, as if that's relevant in yeah. a world where your flexibility can be restrained as much now in the NBA as as it used as, as it." has been for the last six years in the NHL. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know we know that the NHL is a depth league. Yeah. We know that that makes the difference at the top end usually. And yet, you know, and I, I do think this is an important thing to note. Like, this is taking nothing away from the work that Rutherford and Alvin have done, especially because I think the main the big biggest picture thing that they saw that certainly I didn't, and I don't think a lot of people did, although no one will uh, admit that today is as Alvin said during the press of the other day, you know, there was what I didn't anticipate was how well it's gone. What I did anticipate was that our star players could be even better yeah. with certain structure and accountability and on and on in place, all the habits that the Canucks organization loves to talk about. As much as we should praise the work that Vancouver's done adding your Sam Lafferty class player and rebuilding this defense and swinging for the fences with Hironic and on and on, and having all of that go right, we're not here talking about the Lindholm acquisition or the Canucks' chances of, you know, going go on a run deep into the spring if Quinn Hughes doesn't go nuke, mm -hmm. if Elias Pettersson doesn't continue to be at a preposterously high level, if... Thatcher Demko's not at a Vezina nominee at least level if JT Miller doesn't continue to do JT Miller stuff. So, you know, it, it is worth remembering, like, you know, and you see this, you see lesser examples of this in Toronto. Like, in Toronto, they swung on a bunch of depth pieces this summer and missed on almost every one. It's like it couldn't be a sharper contrast between yeah. the Canucks hitting on every single one and the Leafs missing on every single one. There's a reason why I think we take the Canucks Stanley Cup chances a little more seriously than we do the Toronto Maple Leafs for the first time in 10 years. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that the Maple Leafs are still good because they've got Matthews, Nylander, Marner, all of whom are playing really well. And that sometimes is the, not even sometimes, at the end of the day, that's the biggest part of the equation and it remains the biggest part of the equation for the Canucks. The core players and the superstar talents playing like they are is the prerequisite that makes the other stuff count, right? That makes the other stuff really matter for what you're doing as a team. Because you're right, if you don't have that high-end talent, you can go out and ace acquiring all of these role players, right? But you're going to be what? Like a, a wildcard team at that point, right? You know, a, a well-coached team of guys who work really hard and play their role, but you lack that superstar talent – We've seen teams like that. That has a very, very limited upside. You need both factors uh, to really make it work. And, you know, I again, I do think that that ability, if now, 
I also don't think we should necessarily hold Rutherford and Alvin to the standard they set in this free agency period. Like, we can't expect every crop of free agents to work as well as this one did. That's just not realistic. Everyone is going to miss. Even the best front offices uh, in the sport are going to have misses. But if you think you can hit at a significantly high ratio without spending, I mean, and you have that core talent there. Like, I was thinking about this in terms of them opening up the cap space for next year because you've made the point of, hey, would really like to see them do something that kind of affects not just this year, but the entire two or three year window beyond it. Well, in a way, opening up cap space does do that. Yeah, because it, it gives you options to improve your team for next year in the summer, right? So, yeah, it could be end up being a pure rental, but you can also go out and use that money that you got off the books to make the team better for next year. Just don't look at the pending unrestricted free agents. Whew. But you say that we probably no, would have said that last year. 100% we would have. And you you go out and find the role players. There, that help there you. definitely will be Susie tier guys. Yeah. You know, just like there was last year. Final thing, you because you mentioned the hit rate, right? Can't can't get them all right. Like sometimes we do a really good segment and sometimes we end up talking about pie and I get completely confused and then rant about the NA, NBA's second apron. Whatever, close enough. Uh, somebody. <laughs> but the key is to fix it. Are you going to fix it? What, will you, what Did you have something? Well, I just have a point to make. Okay, mate, make a point. Finally. <laughs> Beauvillier out with yep. almost no pain. The Beauvillier thing, like, I think that was a mistake. I think they didn't get paid enough to take that contract. But guess what? If you get rid of him and net a return and then absorb Nikita Zadorov into that cap space, hey, that's a that's no longer a mistake. That's an ad. Kuzmenko, that was a mistake. But if you're able to fix it mm-hmm. like this without pain, boom. Then I mean that's the other thing, right? You can't just judge a front office on their hit rate. It also matters whether or not you clean up mistakes. And this club's done a really good job of that too this year. By the way, uh, when we were talking, Haven't made well, many when we were in though. the depths of the cake conversation, the cake and pie conversation, somebody texted in uh, "dumbest show," and I sent back a sarcastic thank you to them, and they clarified, "No, no, no, I like this show. I meant is it cake is the dumbest show." <laughs> So thank you for the clarification on that one. We'll leave it there. Friday show tomorrow. Uh, All-Star Draft tonight. So uh, enjoy that. Plenty of Canucks content, including the newest Canuck, Elias Lindholm. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow here on Sportsnet 650.